0: Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the burgundy and blue, Mike Evans. Hey everybody, welcome in to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans and uh, got a lot to react to before the avalanche. This will be our our final podcast before they go into their long all-star break. And I'm, I'm glad they do that, by the way. I know it kind of probably stinks for you as a hockey fan, to go without the avalanche for the next, uh, what is it, about 10 days, but uh, it's good for the players. It's such a grind. My goodness. I know that we as fans look at what these guys do as pro athletes, and it uh, it's awesome the money they make, the lives they live, but they work hard. They grind, and for them to be able to get a break like this during the course of the season, I think is, is tremendous, and if it means that when they come back for the stretch run, the second half of the season, that they're refreshed and ready to go, and it's going to lead to better hockey, then I think we all benefit from that. But we are talking here in the aftermath of what we've been watching from Nathan McKinnon of late, uh, culminating with that four goal performance the other night against Washington. And, and what can you say about Nathan McKinnon? The guy is playing at a level that we've never seen before. So the question's why? Why is he doing something that as great as he's been to this point in his career, he has done the unimaginable and gone to a whole nother level. A level that better, and I mean better, because if and if you're a MVP heart trophy voter and you have a chance to watch this, if you somehow find a way to vote for anybody other than Nathan McKinnon, as the MVP in this league, shame on you, and you should have your vote taken away. Because I don't know who you could make a case for that's been better than Nathan McKinnon has been this season. And by the way, for a team that has been one of the best teams in hockey for the last several years, won a cup two years ago, and is a heavy, heavy favorite to do so again. Why the contributions of a Nathan McKinnon on this hockey team do not automatically lead to an MVP award, I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're looking for. Because Nathan McKinnon has brought everything you want. He's brought the performance. He's brought the leadership. He is uh, a a mammoth part of the Avs culture as to why they are the team that they are now and have been for a long time. And if you can't see that as an MVP voter, then, again, I I don't know what you're watching. I I really don't. Uh, He's been that great this year. And the numbers sure, the numbers they they jump off the page. Most points in in the NHL. Uh the goals, the the point streak to start a season at home. He's doing it all. Uh he's playing 200 feet of hockey. He's been as good defensively as he's ever been in his career. So uh, why? Why is this guy at the level he's at? And and Jared Bednar was speaking at length about McKinnon and, and why he's having the season and Bednar Bednar's is in that position that like a Michael Malone sort of finds himself in when you're asked every night about Nikola Jokic it's the same thing with Nathan McKinnon how do you take whatever adjectives you've used up to a certain point to describe somebody and then try to find that next level of adjectives to describe and it's funny Watching Bednar and listening to Bednar the other night, he's like, he's like, look, I, this guy was already at a crazy, crazy high level when it came to the dedication, um, the obsessiveness, the for, the ferocity in which this guy uh, carries himself and the work that he puts in off the ice. He said, but he's actually gone to another level this year. He told a great story. And if you've been following Nathan McKinnon's career throughout his career, you know that going back early on that he created some, some buzz because he would insist that at the training table, that a certain kind of pasta sauce would not be served because it was too fattening, you know, get rid of the Alfredo sauce. It's too fattening. It's not healthy enough. This is how in tune he was with his habits and how he wanted the rest of the team to follow suit. Well, Bednar shared the story the other night. He said, we are the latest arriving team in the NHL. Whatever city we're going to, even if we're going back home, we are the latest arriving team in the NHL. Why? Because Nathan McKinnon has a post-game routine that he will not give up, he will not sacrifice, and we are all forced, and I'll come back to that word forced in a second, we're all forced to follow And basically, after playing 25, 26 intense minutes on the ice, Nathan McKinnon puts in another 25 to 30-minute hard workout, usually riding the exercise bike, after the game is over. So whereas most teams, especially when they're on the road, it's a quick exit. Everybody gets in, they shower, they pack up the bags, they throw them on the bus, usually within like 30 to 45 minutes after a game ends, these guys are gone. They're on the bus to the plane, on the plane, away they go. So... With the Avs, and because McKinnon has this this regimen that he follows, they wait. As Bednar joked, he said, I go to work for an hour. I get on my laptop, I start doing some work for an hour while we're waiting for the bus to leave. And he said that whereas most teams get to their next site around 1 a.m., we get in around 2 a.m. But he was saying all this not in a way like rolling his eyes like, oh, my God, I can't believe we have to uh, accommodate Nathan McKinnon. It's... It's an understanding that, um, and that's why I use the word forced. They're not forced. They they do it because Nathan McKinnon is arguably their best player, and because this works for him, why would we want to take that away from him? And the other thing, too, is it sets an example. Guess what? Nathan McKinnon now isn't the only person working out after a game. Other players are putting in the same kind of work. And it it leads to what I want to talk about here today is – the part of Nathan McKinnon's season and the way that he's playing and and what jumps out at me. Because, yeah, do I see the numbers? Do I see the um, the stats and all that? And I'm, am, I, am I as just impressed by those um, as you are, the stats and the eye test? Sure. But the thing about McKinnon that I love, and I, I wrote an article at denversports.com and I compared McKinnon and Jokic in the same breath. I am somebody as a sports fan – I'm fascinated by culture. I'm fascinated by what makes a winning culture. Why is it that one team has a winning culture? Why is it that another team doesn't? And it doesn't simply just come down to talent because there have been plenty of talented teams that have underachieved. There have been plenty of teams that haven't been as challenged that end up playing at very high levels that win championships that overachieve. Why? It's something that's always interested me. And so the idea of of a culture that surrounds a team, How does it come to be? What is it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do you build it? How do you sustain it? And I know that when people talk about culture, they oftentimes, in my opinion, mistakenly, think that it has to come from the coach. Oh, the coach sets the culture. No. Not at all. The coach can come in and say, hey, this is what I believe the culture should be. This is what I think it should look like. These are some of the parameters or outlines of what I think this culture should be. But unless you have the player buy-in, it won't work. And unless your best player, your hardest worker, is the one that buys in, that's how a culture starts to get formed. So when I look at, at Nathan McKinnon and I hear Jared Bednar talking about a Nathan McKinnon, this, this is what culture is. And when you are a player on the avalanche, I don't care if you're a veteran or a young player or if you're somebody that's been here a while or simply got uh, traded into the Avs or signed as a free agent, you spend 10 minutes around the Avs and you understand, oh, wait a minute, this is how Nathan McKinnon does things. This is the work he puts in. Wow, look at the work. Look at the results. I can't argue with the results, but I guess I never realized how much work he put in. Suddenly you see a Nathan McKinnon grinding away on an exercise bike 25 minutes after he just played 25 minutes, and you start realizing, huh, wow, that's the way this guy works? And then you look around and you see other guys doing it. You're like, huh, that's the way these guys work? I thought, I bet you there have been players young players and even veteran players that have come to the avalanche over the last couple of years and have come in with the idea that I know what working hard is all about. Or at least I thought I knew what working hard is all about. Then I come here and I see Nathan McKinnon doing that to the point where the whole team is holding up their departure onto the next city and willing to arrive an hour later than most NHL teams would because they want to – Allow that, not allow this, but you know, encourage this, and understand that this is what is part of the process for Nathan McKinnon. Is what it's part of the process of this team. Then you know what that is. That is a living, breathing, winning culture, and you start to think, okay, what what's the definition of a culture in this case? I think it's clear. And and I'm not saying that Nathan McKinnon is the only one that works hard, and not other players don't work hard. But we're, we're talking about McKinnon in the midst of what should be a heart Trophy season, an MVP season, and you start to try to figure out what makes this guy tick, and you start to understand what this guy's all about, his work ethic, his work habits, his uh, almost fanatical approach to how he goes about his career and preparing to play and recovering from playing, and then you realize that other guys on the team are following suit. Man, it's, you know, I've always felt like if you look at the great dynasties in sports, right? And Michael Jordan with the Bulls. Um, Phil Jackson once famously said, do you understand how easy my job is as a coach when I come to work and every single day I come to work, I know that my best player, the best player on the planet, is going to be the hardest working guy on the floor that day. Do you realize how easy that makes my job? Um, Tom Brady, for years in New England, you hear stories from veteran players that they played, said, do you understand what would happen during meetings? Bill Belichick would come in and he would yell at Tom Brady and he'd get on Tom Brady and Tom Brady would be sitting in the front row taking it. What kind of message does that send? It sends a message that, wow, Tom Brady sits here, he takes the abuse, he takes the criticism, doesn't say a word, and goes out, and ends up being one of the hardest workers and the best players. It it creates, to me, the best kind of peer pressure, really. We talk about peer pressure all the time, right? As parents out there, you worry about your kids succumbing to peer pressure. All of us can re- recall examples probably where we uh, were tempted by peer pressure or fell victim to peer pressure, right? In, in, what I'm talking about here is the best kind of peer pressure, the best kind of sports peer pressure, where you have somebody who sets such a an example that everybody has no choice but to follow it. And again, that no choice has kind of a negative connotation like, oh, boy, you know, kicking and screaming and rolling my eyes and I got to go do what Nathan McKinnon does. No, when I say have no choice but to follow, it's oftentimes becomes a willingness thing. But there is that sort of, hey, you know what? I thought I was working hard. This guy over here is showing me I can work harder. And that is what ends up creating a winning culture, and I don't think it's a coincidence that in this age of McKinnon, all these years here with the Avalanche, what's this now? His eleventh year, you see the Avalanche becoming the um, annual year in, year out Stanley Cup juggernaut contender that they are. It's not by coincidence, folks. It has that has to it has to come from somewhere. And to me, when I see a Nathan McKinnon playing the way he's playing, and uh, you learn more about what goes into how he goes about his business and how the rest of the team is following suit. Then all of a sudden it doesn't seem so hard to explain why this team once again is competing for a Stanley Cup. So I think it's awesome. It's it's something that whether you're an Avalanche fan or a Nuggets fan, please, please, please treasure what you have going on right now because you have two franchises, two teams that are doing it the right way and you have two superstars who absolutely do things the right way and they do it in a way that is so pure really that it it truly does set the tone for those entire organizations and you know what you get you get two teams that win championships and are competing for more it's not an accident so anyway that'll do it for this edition of the mile high hockey podcast presented by four comfort gutters. Uh, Again, next week they're off, but we'll probably be able to come up with a few uh, hockey topics and avalanche topics to be able to talk about next week as well. So have a great weekend. Enjoy your hockey break. Enjoy the all-star break and we'll talk to you again next week.